Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 11 to 1, Monday Motivation. Motivation. On LMFM. Resilience, hardworking, ambitious, strong leader. I could go on here. These are qualities I would use to describe this week's Monday Motivation guest. She started out her career in Woman's Way as a journalist before moving to PR and eventually right here to LMFM. And she, along with her husband, set up a hugely successful communications company working with Ireland's most influential leaders and senior management teams. She's author of Perform as a Leader and also Without You Living with Loss. She's in-demand keynote speaker. She's on. Uh, she's a very much supporter of Women for Election and proud mum of four children. You'll have heard her here on LMFM Radio very, very recently taking the hot seat for Michael Reed, which is not an easy job, I'll tell you. Orla Carmody, you're so, so welcome to 11 to 1 for our Monday Motivation this week. How are you doing? Lovely to be with you tonight. Just reading that CV is like, you know, so impressive and I'm only scratching the surface of it. But um, take me back to when you were younger. You always wanted to get into sort of media and communications, didn't you? I did indeed. And uh, you're saying it's an impressive CV. That's because it's a long one. I've been around the houses a long time. I'm now and very conscious of it more and more. So, yeah, I wanted to be in media. Um, it's funny, I was, you know, one of those kids who was good at English at school. I was good at drama. I was good at performance, you know, so it kind of led naturally to looking at that. And I went to Rathmines, the College of Commerce, Rathmines. I did journalism. It was the only place you could do journalism at that time. And they took 20 kids every year and you felt really special to be selected to one of those places. And a lot of the, the kind of the very well-known people you'd know now on, on RT and that would have been you know around uh, Rathmines College of Commerce at the same time I was it was really a really good training ground to get you started in the world of journalism and media and I think I've worked in communications all my life although it's been different iterations of it Yes and uh, you know what, what I love about your yourself and your career is that you're not afraid to kind of throw your hand at other aspects of of media as you say like I mean you're moving very much now into you know you coached people in media you know and that was a part of your life for a very very long time wasn't it? Well yeah because you, as you said I did a few different jobs in media in, in my younger days and worked here in LMFM I was here the first year of the station in 1989 and then I went on to RT and I spent about eight or nine years there as a senior journalist in the newsroom very very uh, exciting interesting wonderful time to be working in media and you know the peace process was going on we were covering an awful lot of very interesting things but at the same time I had four babas I had four small ones so I had four under five at one stage and by the end of the 90s at that stage sort of 
of 97, 98. I, I had four small kids. I was running in and out of the RTE crash with them and trying to manage the whole thing. And I thought, you know what, I need to take a few years out as a mum. I need to just spend some time with my kids. And at that stage, we moved from Dublin uh, down here locally to the northeast. And um, I really just wanted to focus on that kind of life for a while. Um, but we at the same time, we set up a communications training consultancy. So I suppose while I was at home with kids and I was very much full time and a mom, I still had an interest because I was a director of the company and Gavin was building it, my husband, and I was keeping an eye on it. And I was involved in a few other companies as well. So I always had an interest in business. Um, and the, the communications training business then was so useful to me because when the kids then began to get a little bit up and running, I was able to start working maybe one day a week and then kind of became two days a week. And I, I built back into it again. And it was very much supporting other people when they were going out on media and supporting them with uh, training and development. Yeah, because uh, you're mentioning a few things there that I want to touch on. But firstly, I suppose the first foray into business was yourself and Gavin uh, for you setting up the company, the the, tra- the communications company. Was that incredibly daunting or did you have a good head for business at the time? I think I'd had a good head for business because although I'd worked in uh, media, as you say, and in journalism, I had worked in PR for a couple of years. And again, that's that crossover between managing uh, an account for, for clients as well as advising on the media side of it so I had kind of dipped into it and was very interested in it and then of course Gavin at that time was an investor here and a shareholder in the station here and so we had other investments and other interests as well going on at the same time so I was kind of growing an interest in business all the time so then when we set up our own it was very much a start up and it was you know get out there and sell and phone the clients and tell them what it is you're doing Um, so no it didn't seem daunting at the time it just was something we, we felt drawn to do and we did it and it took off and away we went And as you mentioned there, you know, you are somebody that's extremely devoted to her, you know, professional life as well as family life. But as you mentioned there, you know, you did decide to kind of go, look, we've got small children. I'm running around like a lunatic. I'm going to take a back seat and stay at home for quite a number of years with the children. That to me, I admire that so much because from somebody that did it for a year, I was like, get me back to adult conversation. What are we going on here? Was it very, very difficult initially to kind of go, okay, I'm not running out the door for 9am or whatever it is. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be present with the kids. Do you know what it was? It was really, really hard. And I think in my mum's day, you know, you know, women got married and they had a child and they stayed at home. And by the time they had child two and child three and child four, they were kind of used to the deal. I stayed at home at the start when I had four children, four under five. It was unbelievably difficult. I hadn't practiced being at home with one and then two and then three. I landed into it with four. I nearly lost the plot the first year or two. I really found it really tough. Um, it was just such a different pace. And I mean, I really wanted to do it and I was very motivated and I wanted to really, really spend time with my kids. But it was tough and you really miss being out there. You miss um, the way you're treated by people when you're at home with children. There is no doubt about it. People can be more dismissive towards you. Um, you miss having that intellectual stimulation. You miss having you know, your colleagues, the nights out, you do miss that. It is tough. And for women who are at home with kids, you know, all kudos to them. It is a tough job, but it is brilliant to do. And at, at the same time, you have to feel if you're in the fortunate position to be able to ha- to be afford to be able to stay home with your children, you know, you really have to feel that as a privilege because yes. a lot of people can't and they want to be there with their kids and they can't. They've got to go out to work. So I suppose it's to just appreciate it when you have it. But in the book I wrote then subsequently um, Perform as a Leader it was very much about um, you know the frontline communications pieces that I train people on but one of the things I said in that 
book and I and I say it in, in a lot of the speaking I do with women's groups is that after each child, you lose yourself a little bit and you have to find yourself again. Yes. And, yes. you know, you do, you lose your confidence and you lose. And so much of the work I would do, particularly with women in business these days, and I do an awful lot of executive coaching at quite a high level. And when when women come to me for executive coaching, the first thing they'll say is, I'm really struggling with the juggle. How do I manage to be there for my kids and to support them? And yet I want to focus on my career. I want to be somebody who contributes something to society. And, you, you know, you have a talent and you have skill, you've trained at something and you want to use those skills and use that ability. But that that is what I find again and again with women uh, when they come for executive coaching. It is very much around juggling. And maybe that's why they come to me, because they see me as somebody who did it and went, got back to work and got going again. So I Absolutely. do know that space. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you you are very much a person that is a leader as well. But I want to chat to you a bit about women in business because you are a real advocate for women, as you say, women in leadership roles. You want to see more for female CEOs at the boardroom, you want to see more women elected in leadership roles. Things are slowly changing bit by bit in terms of gender equality. I know we're, we're chatting about it a lot more as well. I mean, but, you know, realistically, you'd be hard pushed to look around a room and see half of them, say, who are CEOs that are women. Does that frustrate you? How do you feel about that situation? Yeah, I think we've we've come an awful long way, but I think we've still a long way to go. And I did a, a big piece of work recently for a bank and it was very much about how women see themselves throughout the course of their maternity, their pregnancy and their return to work. And this is a huge thing in businesses now, right up to middle management level. 50% of the employees are female. Of those, probably 30, 40% at least will want to have children at some point. And we have to make it much more front and centre to everything we're doing in our working lives nowadays and make it much more normal. And there was a very interesting study done by DCU and they talked to all of the big companies about what is the experience of maternity leave and returning after you have a child. And they found that one of the key findings of the study was that the attitude of your immediate superior at the moment you say, I'm pregnant, I need to go on maternity leave, will impact not only how you conduct yourself throughout your maternity leave, whether you return to work, but will impact on your career as a woman going forward. There's a huge power in the people leader in that moment when a woman comes in and says, need to have a word with you to their immediate superior, something to say to you, I'm pregnant, I need to plan for maternity leave. The reaction in that moment is incredible, the power in that moment. And there have been people leaders and in this particular bank I was working with, there was amazing feedback in terms of what was said. There were ridiculously stupid things said to the woman like, oh, do you know who the father is? I mean, literally. Can you imagine a people leader saying that to a woman? Or even, um, oh, right, yeah, yeah, it must have been the Christmas party, was it? I mean, there have been ridiculously crass, stupid things said to women in that moment. And at the same time, there have been wonderfully supportive people leaders who have you know, said, I'm thrilled for you. Fabulous. That's amazing news. Here's give me a hug. And then said, right, let's plan now how we're going to do that. That is the only appropriate response. It is great news. I'm thrilled for you. Now let's work out the logistics. But in a lot of cases, people find it very formal. Oh, uh, here's the manual. Look up all the information yourself. Or in some cases, you know, a woman returns to work. um, You know, you've been out for six months, nine months. You're feeling a bit unsure of yourself and there's no desk for you. Nobody meets you at reception. There's no login. You're sitting there for three days. You don't even know what department or what team you're going back on. You're saying you're treating somebody like this who has left a baby at home and is feeling bad about that 
and this is how you're treating them on the return to work and you think that's not going to impact on her whole attitude to her career going forward. So extraordinary and a lot of training to be done with people leaders about first of all pregnancy is normal, it's a part of every life, it's a part of life, it's a part of family life and we have to put it much more front and central and help people to, to deal with it and to come back and to make it make it really possible for them to come back if that's what they choose to do. Absolutely, that, that really is very, very interesting and as you say, it starts with the leader of the company, it starts with the boss, it starts with the manager and then it'll trickle down to the employees, not just women, about how they're going to perform. You're going to want to do your best if your boss is on your side or supportive or, and this is something that all people in positions of management need to take on board. If the people leader sees pregnancy as perfectly normal perfectly acceptable even if five different women have come into him or her that week and said I'm pregnant yep absolutely let's deal with this if but if they see it as a problem it then becomes a problem for that individual woman and and that's not right it should be just as you say totally part of normal life now where women are in the workforce now the marriage bar ended in 1974 <laughs> yeah. we're in the workforce all of this time we're here to stay so let's all just get on with it yeah. absolutely but what would you say then to the women because I may call by here as well I'm the same who and even women who haven't had kids and are single but are trying to get ahead in their career and they're going for jobs and they're going for jobs a woman and a man will approach a job position very very differently a woman will go right there's 10 requirements I can do only 9 of them oh having a hope a man will say I've, I can do two of them and he'll go great give me give the job <laughs> what is wrong with us are you able to help people in that situation to rewire yeah. yes yeah confidence is a huge part of it and funnily a previous study I did with another financial institution a few years back it was on that whole thing I worked with a whole range of uh, middle managers and we did a whole lot of uh, we facilitated workshops and, and discussion groups around what prevents people going forward for promotion so and again for the women it was very much to do with childcare, it was to do with confidence, it was to do with culture within the organisation. But it, it very much, as you say, the confidence piece is around that thing of um, have I got all the competencies for this particular job? There's 10 competencies being advertised and a woman might look at that and say, I don't have two of them, I better not go for the job. And a guy sitting in the next partition will say, I've three of those competencies, you know what, I'll give it a lash. And he might end up getting the job. And, you know, in, in management terms, they can only promote you for the job if you put yourself forward for it. You've got to self-select. You've got to put yourself forward. You can't be deciding when the job is advertised. I'm not suitable or I'm not qualified for that job. Imposter syndrome is a big thing oh, with women as thing. well. It, it's, men will tell you they, they suffer from it as well. But when you do get into a role and you've, you've gone for that interview and you've put yourself forward and you get it, then there's a kind of a panic that sets in after a few months. And again, a lot of the people I coach, men and women, it's very much around that thing of imposter syndrome I'm, I'm in this big job now for six months I really need to start delivering help 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 am I doing as well as I should and very often through coaching um, you find that they just discover I'm actually much better than I thought it's a confidence developing thing coaching um, as, as and it's executive coaching has become a real thing now in, in the workplace and it's great to see that happening that companies are prepared to pay for coaching for their people to support them and it's not about you're broken we need to fix you if somebody thinks that that's a coach 
coaching is. It's, it's not going to work. It has to be. You have to see this as me time. It's my sounding board. It's a time for me to work with the professional, to work through stuff that may be blocking me, to clear the blockages, to get me to go forward. But so many of them who come to me, it is about that thing of imposter syndrome. Am I good enough? And we do a lot of exercises around confidence developing. I do one exercise that always goes down brilliantly with people and it is where you hear another voice in your head. I ask a whole series of questions to the person and they answer the questions and it's kind of a writing exercise. They write it out. Then you pick your key influencer. Who's the key influencer in your life? Was it your mum? Was it that lecturer who was brilliant back in the day as teacher? We all have somebody who believed in us and said, you're going to amount to something. I know you are. That person in, in your life, in your past. You hear their voice answering the same questions in your mind. And they say, and, and the, the, the voice will always say, of course you can do it. You're well able. Of course you can do it. And they come out of that exercise saying, my mum thinks I can do this. I must be able to do it. Or yeah. my teacher or my whoever. And it's a really powerful, it's simple, but it's very, very powerful because you come away thinking, I'm much better than I think I am. And most of the time through coaching, that's what I find with people. You just unearth your own power, your own ability, and you begin to believe in it. And then you start performing and delivering brilliantly on the, on, on the particular job. And for yourself in your own life, because you are coaching other people and obviously you have to be like <laughs> the way you're describing and very much a leader. But when things go wrong for you, when you are faced with challenges, when life is kicking you, let's say, how do you pick yourself up? Because it's very easy sometimes to go and kind of be the victim and kind of go, oh, why is this all happening to me? What do you say to yourself to bring yourself out of that slump, let's say? Um, I find for me, I get into a slump when I'm tired. For me, it is always tiredness that makes me vulnerable, lets my resilience drop. And when I find myself feeling overwhelmed and the day is getting to me, I have to check how much sleep did I get recently? And I usually just take myself to bed early and I get a great night's sleep and I wake up the next day and I'm absolutely fine. So I'm lucky that I have a very key thing I need to do. I know for me personally, it's just tiredness that makes me feel overwhelmed or taking on too much. Or I think focus is a, is a really important part of getting through a lot in a day. And we all have really, really busy days. And I often find that focus is the thing that gets me that if I give a 100% concentration to the thing I'm doing right now and not to think of the list of things still waiting for me, I'll get that thing done really well. Then look at the next thing and prioritise it. Look at the next thing. Do you know radio, presenting on radio and the years I spent here at LMFM and in RT in various places, I think radio is wonderful training for managing time because you are constantly watching a clock and you're constantly... She's caught me looking at one right now. You have to, but it is brilliant training. You have to watch the clock and you have to focus 100% on this current interview and not think of the four more you've lined up waiting for you because when that time comes, you have to give that the 100% concentration and maybe that early training has allowed me to focus very much in the moment and if I'm working with one client they have a whole series of problems that I have to really give my utmost concentration to to support them on and then I have to stop with them take 20 minutes to myself think my thoughts make my few notes and I have to switch into a new client and it's an entirely different scenario and an entirely different set of problems and I have to give that my 100% focus. I can't shortchange anybody. So I've had to learn to move from item to item and I said that was my radio training in the early <laughs> days. It was brilliant. <laughs> and you know when you uh, think back you know as well to like I suppose when you 
We're starting out with with your with your husband, your lovely husband, Gavin, who we have to bring into this as well, uh, with the company and everything else. Um, is there something from that challenging time? Because it is challenging setting up a business and having small kids and everything else. Is there anything from that challenging time that you always take with you that you've overcome that and and maybe what you've learned about yourself from going through those various challenges? Um, I suppose, um, yeah, and working together with your husband and business partner for 25 years has its challenges, you know, and we've had to learn to sort of give each other space to do the things we do best. And, you know, for example, the one on one coaching, I do an awful lot of that, whereas Gavin doesn't. He does more of the bigger groups and the, the bigger events. Um, and we found our own space and we found what we're good at and we were able to give each other uh, time and space to do that. When I met Gavin, I was married before I was a widow and my first husband died. And that was one of the most formative experiences of my own life because losing, you know, your husband at the age of 28 and thinking I'm never going to have a family, I'm never going to have children, I'm never going to have all of that was an incredibly, incredibly tough time for me. But looking at it now with the distance of time and my life moved on and became so happy and I had a family and I kind of hold second chance again. But it was so formative. And one of the, the, the key things I took out of it was that, you know, you can't choose the things that happen to you in this life. All you can do is choose how you respond to them. And if that's my mantra, I have lived by it all of those years. I've lived by whatever befalls you and befalls all of us. And God forbid things will happen to us tomorrow, but things will. That's life. And it does. And you're you're not judged by what happens to you. You're judged by how you deal with it. And I think you have to just put your best foot forward and and deal with whatever comes your way as best you can. And I try to sort of um, with my own kids, they're young adults now, they're 20 to 21 to 25. And I'm always saying that to them. I'm saying you have to learn to deal with whatever happens and look for the positive. I'm very interested in um, there's a book called The Solutions Focus, and it's a wonderful book about coaching. And it's one of my kind of Bibles that I live by because I'm a a very much a cup half full person. I'm very like that as well. Yeah, and yeah. I always want to find the, the solution and not the problem. And in, in business and in life and in the world, we're inclined to go around and round and round about the problem and whose fault was it and who's to blame and who said this and who said that. And that's not getting anywhere. The problem is the problem. We probably need to inform each other at that meeting what the problem is, spend two minutes on it. Here's the problem. But you need to start shifting to working towards the solution very fast. You have to put all the energy of that meeting. If you have an hour long meeting, let's not spend the hour talking about the problem. Spend two minutes talking about the problem and let's spend 58 minutes talking about the possible solutions. And I, I, that's, I think, the whole overarching theme of everything I do with people and with clients, if it's one on one or groups I'm working with. And I still do a lot of training with the bigger companies as well and leadership training. And it's very much that I say, let's move towards the solution as quickly as we possibly can. Let's forget blame. Let's forget pointing fingers. It really solves nothing. It, it, it adds nothing, really. You know, we might look at a problem in a kind of a fly in the wall way to say, OK, what can we learn from it? What happened? How did it happen? OK, let's now take the learning from that and take it forward. But let's not waste time. The energy gets sucked out of the room if we start mulling over the problem and whose responsibility was it. You know, we need to move on. I think Boris Johnson could do it you right about now with this whole uh, Brexit talk. <laughs> Wouldn't you, you love to be the fly <laughs> on the wall? Oh, my goodness, it's fascinating. <laughs> he should be listening to what you're saying um, but you know I always finish up Monday Motivation with asking kind of uh, similar questions towards the end and people like yourself who are successful in not only in business but in their personal life um, have a very specific morning routine I think and I always am key, uh, eager to know what is your morning routine and can you share it with us? <laughs> My morning routine is coffee first 
coffee. Just just don't talk to me till I've had my coffee. And the, the family knows this well. My husband knows this well. <laughs> just 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 give me my coffee. I just need a really strong coffee. And my little indulgence is I put a little bit of cream in it, a little drop of cream in your coffee in the morning rather nice. than milk. It's gorgeous. It just sets me up for the day. And then I come back upstairs and I plan my outfit and what I'm going to wear. And I think about what client I'm going to meet, meet and I do my makeup and do all of that. And I do a few stretches. I like to do a few stretches in the morning just to loosen up. I'm not a yoga fiend or anything but I just do a few to kind of wake myself up and wake the body up and really that's it and then get up and put your best face on I like putting you know my makeup on and get your best face on get your hair nice and head out for your day and yeah have a have a spring in your step going out in the morning I like to feel focused for my day who am I meeting today and how am I going to help them in my work now as I said I've gone so many iterations of the, of the whole media and communications thing. But now because I'm focused very much on executive coaching, it's very much about giving back. It's very much about me working on somebody else's issues and helping them achieve a bit of clarity with it. And that's a really wonderful feeling. You just come away every day feeling you've made a difference to somebody. And I love when a client leaves having spent an hour with me and they say, oh, I feel so good. I just love spending time with you. And I go, yes, I'm doing my job right. <laughs> <laughs> and for people out there who want to maybe get some coaching from yourself, how can they get in touch with you? Well, they can look at our, on our website, gavinduffyandassociates.com. Um, where there's a coaching page on that. I mean, obviously, there's lots of other things we do in training and development, but I have a coaching page on that. And if anybody would like to go on there, they can find me. And I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Please connect with me. I'm very visible on social media. I love it. So I'm easy to find. Brilliant. Well, listen, Orla, thank you so, so much for coming in and giving us much needed Monday motivation. We'll take on board a lot of what you've said there. But thanks a million. Uh, my pleasure. Lovely to be here. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.